Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the word. Noah, the flood, witnesses to the saving grace of God. It's going to be a little bit of a different look. I mean, so many times when we, we think about Noah, it's all about the miracle of the animals and the ark and that kind of an aspect of it. But we're going to take a little bit of a different look at Noah this morning. Now, Noah is a, a man who went through a symbolic death. Okay, a symbolic death. The meaning of the flood. Now think about it. He was put into a wooden crate. He stayed there for a year before he could come out. And everything changed in his life. I mean, think about it. He went into that ark, right? And the world was a certain type of a place. It looked a certain way to him. And then he listened to God. He went into this ark. God shut the door. And everything changed. And as he, he was on that, it was kind of cool. I was really excited. Matt uh, Raskett, right? He had the water there, right? Now, the first one made me thirsty, just the kind of waterfall. But the second one, the, the kind of deluge looking water, I mean, really gives you a sense that, you know, what did Noah experience? What really happened? I mean, he went through the flood. He was taken care of by God, and he persevered through it, and it surrounded him, and it encompassed him, and then he came out on the end. And I'm sure he was a changed person. I'm sure all the people that were on the ark were changed when they left, for certain. But the world became a different place then. I mean, you have to wonder, you know, it's like, we have no idea what it looked like prior. But we know what it looks like kind of after, right? That's, that's the, the normal world for us. And so it's kind of interesting to see that as he came out and everything was different, there was still one thing that was the same for him. And that was his relationship with God. Because God was watching. He's watching. Psalm 33, 18 and 19 says this, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. God's watching. And he was watching Noah, and Noah knew that. Now, there's, there's an aspect that we always lose. Uh, maybe it's just me, I don't know. But I feel that as we read scripture, we get lost in, in the content and the narrative, and we lose track of time. And I'm going to talk about that kind of my next point. But I mean, we're going to understand how much time has gone by from in the beginning to just chapter 5 in Genesis. A whole lot more time has passed than we really are conscious of a lot of the time. We got to get caught in the narrative and just the events that happen and we forget really how much time has gone by. And I'll talk about that in a minute. First though, I'm going to give you kind of an insider here. God is watching. We must be walking. Judgment is waiting. Those are the three things we're going to look at today. So when you hear judgment is waiting, you'll know, okay, we're almost done with this. <laughs> so I'll give you a heads up. All right, so first of all, God is watching, watching for followers. Genesis 5, 28. Now, if you're using a Bible in the, in the chairs, it's page 6. We're really early in the book. Uh, but Genesis 5, 28 through 32 says this. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son. Can you imagine starting your family at 182? I struggle thinking now at 
in my 50s going, wow, to start all over again, that would be crazy. 182, he started, okay. He fathered a son and called his name Noah. And now this gives us a little insight to who and what kind of man Lamech was. Because he, he prayed to God, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one, talking about Noah, shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. After Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, 500 years old, that's another story even, starting a family then. So we're starting to get a picture of some time that's going by here. And God was watching all the while. And he's still watching, and we have to be very aware of that. Because that's one of the things, I don't know if you deal with this, but I'm always struggling to keep God present. Keep God with me, so to speak. Now, he is. I know he's with me, and the reality of that is true. But, I mean, it is so easy, right? The alarm goes off, you stumble through the, the morning routine, and, and then you, you try to start your day. And it's one of those things where, you know, we have got to start learning that God is watching and God is caring about us. And obviously the next point, you know, walking with God, we must be walking with him. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But we've got to have that awareness that God is watching and God cares about us. And that's why he's watching. See, it's like somebody can take that. Oh, God's watching. Oh, yeah. Oh, I got to look. No, he's watching because he's wanting relationship with us. He desires it. He craves it. He's searching for people who will turn to him, who will look to him and yield everything. Complete vulnerability, complete trust in who he is and what he asks of us. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's wanting. And when we do that, life is different. We are changed in dramatic ways. And just to the very fact that Noah was one of those people, and look what he did in his life. I mean, do we think that all of these heroes of the Bible were just for that time? Where are the heroes of today? Where are the Pauls? Where are the Ruths? The Naomi's? Where are they? They're here. All you have to do is understand God is watching us and God is wanting us to come and to develop that relationship with him and to live in a way that is different from this world, a way that is going to combat it and challenge it and not accept it. It's so easy to just accept the world and the things that come with it and it's challenging to, to really push back. Now, I'm not saying we need to be militant about it, but we need to be open about it. Because he's watching. God is watching us and he's wanting us. So he's watching for followers, first of all. That's what we see here. And he's also watching for change. Genesis 6, 5 through 7. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I did or that I may have made them. 
Now, it's interesting, Harry, there's a personification of God here that just helps us really understand a little bit about who God is. And it grieved him to his heart. I mean, think about it. Have you been heartbroken over something? Just where your heart just... That's what happens when, when mankind rejects God. See, when, when I say God is watching, I, I, it's not in that waiting to hammer us kind of a way, waiting to ding us for doing something wrong. You know, I'm immediately taken to the parable of the prodigal son where the father is watching. He's watching and he's waiting to see us walking towards him. And that's, that's the feel I want you to really get when you hear God is watching. Because his love for each one of us is so deep and so wide and it's far greater than I think we really can understand. And, you know, the Bible uses some of these personifications. You know, God's heart hurts when we choose to walk or live in a way that is not consistent with Scripture, not consistent with what he says we should be doing. I mean, it's, it's really, you know, God gave us a book to live by. And it's like, it's, it's like you know, using a Vitamix with, and just throwing out the, the owner's manual, Right? You know, I'm going to use this, you know, to mix motor oil or whatever. It's just, you know, we use things for the wrong reasons. When we reject the word, we're rejecting what God says is this is how <laughs> my creation works and how to operate it. And we've got to yield. And it's a struggle. I understand the struggle. I mean, we're all in it. No one is exempt from this struggle. But that's what God wants to see. That even though there's a struggle, we are willing to choose him over everything else. And we see Noah as that man who did that. I mean, think about it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. But for 120 years, Noah built an ark in a place where there was no water. He's not asking us to do that. Thank God, right? <laughs> Thank God he's not asking us to build an ark. But he is asking us to, to make a difference. He's asking us to be different in this world. Not to the point where we're crazy, but to where we're attractive. Where we're living it so in line with who God is and so in line with what his word says that people see it because that's the very thing that's in their heart that they're hungering and desiring. They just don't know it. Now the world, they fill it with other things. We see it. and We're even challenged by some of those things. But we have got to fight against it, not vehemently, but in our heart, and choose God over those things. And it, it is a challenge, and I, I, I will be right there with you. So God is watching. He's watching for followers. He's watching for change. And 2 Chronicles 16, 9a tells us this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a tall order. I mean, think about it. Fully committed. I mean, I have to look back at my week and say, wow, what, did I live every day fully committed to what God had for me? But that's what he's looking for. And I, I think some of the challenges, when we, we kind of get into this place of what kind of a relationship do I want with God, I think the world has conditioned us 
to think if you follow God, you're going to miss out on something. That's not true. Well, let me rephrase that. You might miss out on something. You might miss out on some pain. You might miss out on some scars. You might miss out on some horrible thing in your life. Because that's where the world system brings us. And I can say that with honesty and truth because I've been there. I've got the scars. I've got the t-shirt. I've got all those things because I chose things other than what God had for me. He wants intimacy. And he's watching for those people who are walking to him, who are following him, who are choosing him in such a way that they're different in this world. And for 120 years, Noah had to be really different compared to everybody else around him. Yet he stuck with that path. Because, my second point, we must be walking. Genesis 6, 8 through 9 says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Four words. Simple. Doesn't it sound simple? Noah walked with God. And this is something that we all have the ability to do. But it comes with challenge. It comes with some work. Because we're going to have to make some choices. Now this whole idea of walking with him, the biblical expression for walking is fellowship and obedience that results in divine favor. Does not sound like a horrible thing, does it? Why aren't we walking with God? <laughs> it's like, I don't get it. Noah was a recipient of God's grace and therefore was spared from the judgment. Fellowship and obedience that results in divine favor. I mean, when I talk grace, I always use the word grace as my definition, right? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. Because he is the one. He is the one who hung. He is the one who was humiliated. He is the one who was pierced. When it should have been us. And I get the challenge. I get the challenge of the world and the ridicule and the belittling. And I understand that. But we're not asked to be stripped naked. We're not asked to be crucified. Because it's already been done for us. We're just asked to walk with God. Walk with him. And, and the cool thing is, you know, God, he says, you know, if you walk with me, you'll get blessed. There'll be divine favor. There'll be some things in your life. And it's hard because then as Christians, we struggle because it seems like, and I don't know if this happens in your life, it seems like we're, wow, things are going good with the Lord and I've been in his word and it's, I've, it's, the relationship is good and then a whole bunch of bad stuff happens. <laughs> And we immediately go to, well, God, I'm doing all this stuff. Why did this happen? Why not? <laughs> Why not? But see, when we're walking with him, he's like, I'm there with you, and I'll get you through this, and you just kind of walk with me, and the things will be fine. And as the world watches this, they go, wow, how do you handle stuff like that? Well, because I walk with God. And that's we are, why are we so afraid to say things like that? Because I walk with God. Oh, you're one of those fanatics. You're one of those crazy people. 
Yes, I am. I am. God took that kind of a stand for us. He took that kind of a stand. He's like, if you will come to me and walk with me, your life will be different. Your life will be changed. And as you walk with me, you're going to see life differently. You're going to see experiences differently because you're going to start to see them through my eyes. Because as I walk with you, I'm going to talk to you about these things. And I'm going to actually help you understand why those things happen. A friend of mine, he's like, oh, I've been praying for patience. Life has been crazy. And it's like, yeah, exactly, because that's how God works. You pray for patience, he gives you all these circumstances that you've got to try to be patient in so that you refine that patience. But we think, oh, I'm asking for patience, so my life is going to be calm and cool and collected and there's not going to be any issues. It's not how God works. He wants to refine us. He wants to challenge us. He wants to grow us. And he walks with us. See, a lot of times we want to run ahead of God. I got this, Lord. Don't worry about it. I'm going to work really hard over here and I'm going to do this stuff for you and do that stuff for you and I'm going to do all this stuff for you. And he's going, just walk with me. I can take care of that with a word. I can take care of that with a, someone else. Just walk with me. Develop a relationship with me. Be intimate with me. I mean, we crave that. We crave it because we're designed that way. God knit each one of us very specifically to have the, the type of temperament, to have the type of makeup that we have and it's on purpose and if you're quirky and whatever God designed that because he knew the body needed that we all need those things in our life that are different because it helps round us out it helps challenge us of what's important but he wants to walk with us now God made provision for the recipients of his grace those who claim to be the recipients of God's grace should be walking in righteousness, being separate from those who do not follow Christ. Now, here's where people get hung up. You know, we're called to be separate. We're called out. And what happens with a lot of people is they isolate themselves. They think, oh, I'm supposed to be separate. I've got to get away. I've got to pull out. I've got to go far, far away. And that's not what God has called us to do. We're called to be in the world, but not of the world, which means Insulation, not isolation. See, we need to be able to be in the world in such a way where a pastor friend of mine explained it this way, where's to be in the world, in the boat, and we're to make sure none of the world gets in the boat with us. So we can be out there, or we can be doing the work of God, we can be living our lives where we're able to impact the world, but it's not impacting us, it's not getting in the boat. And when we're called to do that, and when we do listen to that call, we have impact. Because what happens is, we're out there with God, because we're walking with him, right? And we become mirrors of who God is. Because what happens is, as people see us, they start to see him. His temperament, his heart, his attitude, his compassion, his mercy. Because we're living with him. Now, it's funny, when I was younger, the Lord just reminded me of this. When I was younger, um, one of my neighbors, his name was Johnny, and he and I used to hang out all the time. And we were the same age, all that kind of stuff. 
And it got to the point where we spent so much time together, we sounded a lot alike. Because you, know, you start to pick up the same words and all that kind of stuff. And so a lot of times on the phone, people would mistake who they were calling. And that's back when there were just phones. Do you remember that? Just phones that were attached to a wall or a cord. <laughs> so when those, on those things, people usually, you know, it's like if I was at his house and I'd pick it up, they would always think I was him and vice versa if he was at our house, which is kind of wild. Which, yeah, I think about it. Why was I answering their phone or he answering our phones? The things we used to do when we were younger, right? All the normal life. Anyway, but they used to mistake us a lot of times when we talked on the phone because we spent so much time together. And that's what happens when we spend time walking with God. We start to sound like him. We start to look like him. We start to empathize like him. And that takes time. And there's no two ways about that. And the thing is, it's not, when I say that, you're like, oh yeah, I've got to go spend three hours in a room, locked away from the world. No, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> God wants you to take him with you. And that's why, you know, you take the word with you. you. You take it in your head and you start to engraft it in your heart. And it transforms who you are. And you start to take God out into the world in such a way where they see him, they hear him, and they want him. Because I don't know about you, I mean, there's someone that's in my life that when I talk to this person, I'm blessed because they see God. They are walking with God. And it's like, I just spent a moment with that person last week. Um, they asked me to do something for them. And I you know, went to the house and said, okay, I've got a little bit of time. I'll do this for you. And got there. And as I'm doing it, this person's talking about, oh, the Lord's meeting my needs. And I just see his hand in my life. And God has met this need here and that need there. And he's working here and he's working there. And uh, you know, God is always blessing me. And this thing that I thought was going to be a horrible thing, God turned it into a blessing for me. And I am just encouraged around this person. Because they are walking with God and they are seeing his hand and they are talking about it. And when we start to live that way, we want it. I mean, think about the people that you admire in the faith and the way they talk about who God is and the relationship they have. You're like, oh, I want that. And how do I get that? And it, you walk with God. You walk with him. Again, and that's not ahead of him and that's not behind him. He wants to be right beside you, shoulder to shoulder going along the journey together. And he's watching for people who are coming toward him to walk beside him. Hebrews 7, I'm sorry, Hebrews 11, 7 says this, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Faith sandwich, right? By faith Noah, he got righteousness that comes by faith. And this whole idea where we're going to look at it, faith in kind of three ways. Faith anticipates the future, faith acts in the present, and faith evaluates the past. And so what do I mean by that? Uh, first off, faith anticipates the future by walking with God and trusting what God says will happen, will happen. And I'm going to make my point a little stronger in my next point with the whole judgment aspect. You know, judgment is waiting. 
But we've got to trust that what this Word of God says is not just interesting text. It's going to happen. Now, for 120 years, Noah said, we're going to have a flood, we're going to have a flood, and the people are like, yeah, a flood, whatever that is. It happened. And so we've got to look at prophecy and what, what's ahead for us and trust that what God says is going to happen is going to happen, and we need to live our lives in light of it. By faith, trusting that God knows what he's doing and there's not going to be a mistake here. He has yet to make a mistake up until this point. I don't think he's going to make any more mistakes going forward. All right, so faith anticipates the future. Secondly, faith acts in the present by walking with God and aligning to the truth God gives us through his word. Everything that pertains to life, everything that pertains to godliness is between this and this. Everything. Everything we need to know. And if it's not in here, we don't need to know it. And it's, it's one of those things where we have got to come to that place in our relationship with God where we stop trying so hard to fix us and let God do a work in our life. Because we're good. We're good at, you know, <laughs> it's funny, uh, books are still around. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, occasionally I go to a Barnes and Nobles um, for coffee. And... Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. No, but if you go into like the self-help area, it's enormous. It's enormous. Because we're good at fixing us. This is the book we need to start returning to. This is going to have the right schematic for our heart and for what God has designed in us. And, and it's not until we get to that place where we're trusting what God says and putting faith in that. And where we're going to say, okay, Lord, everything within me says this is going to fix my solution, it's fix my problem. But I'm going to put that aside and I'm going to trust you and what you have to say. We, we've got to come to that place where, where we let him not only live beside us, walk beside us, but then speak into our life. We've got to allow him to speak into our life because that's what's going to be the transformation. That's what's going to bring the change. That's what's going to enable us to start to move in ways that are far beyond this world and live for him. All right, thirdly, faith evaluates the past as we walk with God and he shows us how it can be used to further the kingdom of God. Let me say that again. Faith evaluates the past as we walk with God and he shows us how it can be used to further the kingdom of God. God does not waste any event, especially your hurt or your pain. Now it's interesting, there's a joke in my house. Oh, there's a lot of jokes, but anyway. One of them is my wife comes from the Stepford family. Perfect life, perfect history. <laughs> She's shaking her head, no. But that's the joke. And then I came from this like ridiculously dysfunctional family. <laughs> so it's like God brought us both together to bring balance, right? So she needed dysfunction, I needed normality. Um, <laughs> no, there's craziness even in good homes. It's true. But it's one of those things where, you know, as you hear different testimonies, as you see different things in life, you know, <laughs> 
Deb used to say, you know, boy, I, I never really looked at certain things in a way before where she started to really understand what God saved her from. Because it's like, you know, she saw my life and she's like, oh, your life was a mess. I said, I know. And she's like, so she's like, oh, you know, I feel like, wow, how does, how do we, how do we, you know, evaluate that on a God kind of a thing? But I mean, she didn't get some scars that I ended up with. She didn't encounter pain that I did encounter. And so that's one of those things, especially if you're, if you're from a saved family, you know, you are saved from so much stuff sometimes if you walk according to God's truth. That's the thing. You, you can opt to step out of it. And, and if, you know, if you're really into scars and pain, go for it. But you can sidestep that by walking with God. And trusting that, wow, he is going to preserve, just like he did Noah, preserve me from a lot of the stuff that could be so detrimental in my life. Now, if you're like me, and you have a whole lot of dysfunction, <laughs> have hope. Because I can tell you today, a lot of that stuff that happened in my life that was not pleasant, that was not happy, God has used profitably in my life. I can relate to people and talk to people and understand them on levels that most people can't. And it, it, I would never want to go through it again or deal with it again, but it is a blessing today because I can relate to people and talk to people and, and empathize. And there's just something when, you know, I'm sure you know it, when someone connects with you on a level that you know that they know and they know that you know and oh, you can feel the same, it's just different. And God can use even our hurt, even our pain, for profitable things in our life when we walk with him. It's a cool, cool thing. All right, now, just to give us some perspective on time here, walking with God. How long did Noah walk with God? Well, first, all right, we already said this, but I'll say it again. It took Noah 120 years to build the ark. Now, he was already older, but we'll get to that in a minute. So we start with Lamech. We'll go back from the beginning, right? Lamech, Noah's father, was born in 3255 B.C. Lamech was 182 when Noah was born. Noah was born 3078 B.C., so roughly 1,056 years after in the beginning. So, right, we've gone from in the beginning to chapter 5, and we're 1,056 years into it. You don't catch that, do you? When <laughs> you're just kind of reading through Genesis. A lot of time has gone by. And so also we have Lamech who, you know, he's a believer. He's, he's asked for a blessing in Noah's life. He's coming from a godly heritage. He's trying to point Noah in the right direction. All right, then we have the flood, 2497 B.C. And then Noah was in the, the ark for a year. Noah dies in 2147 B.C. at 950 years old. He's a little older than us. <laughs> all right? But I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, we don't think of, all right, Noah was existent for 950 years. I mean, that's like, how do you wrap your head around that? It's a challenge. But yet, Noah walked with God. I'm sure he saw a lot. I'm sure he encountered a lot, endured a lot. Noah knew what it was to walk with God. I am certain. Now, here's a challenge from us, to us from Micah 6, 8. He, God, has showed you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with 
your God. No ark, no cross, just this. God doesn't ask a lot from us. And yet in return, we gain so much just by walking with him. Just by developing his heart, by developing his demeanor, by letting his personality permeate who we are and allowing it to change us. Now, not that we're different, not that all of a sudden we're all these clones and whatever. No, he wants our personality to stay intact. He wants our sense of humor and all the stuff that goes with us to stay intact, but to have his heart. And think about what our body would be like walking with God and being able to just be free to be us. Not worried about what someone's going to think, not worried about what someone's going to say, just to be you. The freedom is there. In fact, God hungers for it. Just be you. I created you with all of this uniqueness. Be you. Let it come out of you as you walk with me. So God is watching. We must be walking. And thirdly, judgment is waiting. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 tells us this. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. And essentially Noah teaches us that there will be preservation or punishment. That's the whole idea of this, this judgment. It's just not a negative judgment. It's a positive judgment as well. Now, how many of you remember or how many of you ever experienced an open book test in your, in your past? It was like you, you had the pop quiz, but then, you know, the pro professor says, you know, all right, it's going to be open book, right? Hallelujah. All the answers are there, right? Same is true with us. It's an open book. In fact, God says, open the book. <laughs> All the answers are there. Especially if you want to be preserved. Because there's some stuff that's coming down the road. And if you're reading the word, it's not pleasant for those who reject it. For those who choose to say, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to live your way. Second Peter gives us some real insight to where God's head is on this. Second Peter Chapter 2, verses 4 through 10. Here's what it says. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world of the ungodly, if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. 
This brings us back to the beginning. God is watching. He's watching what's happening. And he's calling and calling and waiting for us to follow him. And yet, there are so many people that are choosing to say, hey God, it's not going to be your way, it's going to be my way. And I'm taking this path and oh, too bad, it doesn't really matter. And the thing is, is we get so caught up in, well, nothing's really happened. It really hasn't happened. Thousands of years, you know, God is willing to wait because he's patient, because he would rather have us turn around. And have to punish. He's long suffering for us. He's waiting and hoping. And he knows what's going to happen, but he wants us to change. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to trust him. He wants, and he will wait and wait and wait. And he gives us unbelievable opportunity. But I know there are things in my life that, that took years to work out. And I'm so thankful that God didn't just boom. Punish me harshly at the beginning of all that. He's waited for it to be worked out of my life so that I am a different person. And we can trust his long-suffering to wait for us. So don't let the enemy get a hold of your heart and think, you know, oh, if you're struggling with something, oh, God's just going to judge me, judge me. No, he's waiting for it to get worked out in your life. And guess what? It'll probably get worked out faster if you walk with him. All right, back to Genesis, chapter 7. It says, He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left. And those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Unbelievable. Noah knew. He knew what was going on. God told him at the beginning, there's going to be something that's going to happen. And the thing is, is we know what's yet to come. If you haven't read the rest of the book, you need to read it. Because what's coming is not going to be pleasant. And it's going to be worse than anything else that's happened yet. And that's why our lives have to be beacons of light. We have got to be salt in the world. And when I say we've got to live differently, I don't mean crazy weird. I mean, living in a way where, you know, we know that God's watching us and we're walking beside him and we know that if we choose his ways, we are going to be blessed. And the fact is that if we follow his truth, people are going to hunger for it. And we will draw others unto him because of our example, because of our witness, because of our testimony. Because blessing will come our way. Not ease, that's the thing. We, think, we always think, oh, easy, easy. Oh, yeah, life will be nice. No, not ease, but blessing. Because here's what Genesis 1, uh, 9, 1 through 4 says. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay, that sounds easy. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps in the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Um, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is its blood. Life changed dramatically. Yet Noah was blessed. Because he knew God was watching. He was walking with him. And he trusted that judgment is waiting. And if he chose God, 
That's what's going to be the difference. Judgment is certain. Noah preached righteousness for 120 years while building the ark. The flood reveals God's deadly anger over sin. The flood shows that God's gracious redemption is meaningful in light of judgment. But most importantly, that his grace is not to be taken lightly. God is gracious. God is long-suffering. God is merciful. But guess what? It's going to happen. What he says is going to happen is going to happen. And we need to be mindful. God is watching. We must be walking. Judgment is waiting. Where are you going to fall in that? How are you going to walk out of here today and be different for him? Will you be the herald of righteousness that Noah was in our generation? Pray with me. Father, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we are overwhelmed by how big you are, how powerful you are, how loving, how kind, how merciful, how just. And Lord, we look at this and we think, wow, 950 years of life and all that Noah must have experienced and how much he experienced with you. Lord, we pray that we will learn from this and understand what you want to do in our lives. Maybe we're far from you, Lord, and that maybe this will challenge us to know that you're watching for us to walk back. Or maybe, Lord, we're moving toward you and we haven't really worked out how to walk with you. But Father, help us all to really understand the fact that judgment is waiting, that there is blessing for those who one day will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But Lord, also there's going to be judgment for those who choose not to walk in your ways. Lord, use us to impact that number. Use us to be a light. Use us to be a witness. Use us to be a testimony to who you are and to how you work. Lord, we commit the rest of this day to you. We're thankful for this time together. And we're thankful for the body of Christ that continually challenges us and grows us in ways that we cannot understand but appreciate so much. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, continue to pray for our pastor while he's away. Um, he'll be coming back this Tuesday. Hopefully his Israel trip will be something that will be incredible for us too. I'm sure it will. And you're dismissed.